You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On today's Something to Talk About, we are in Luke chapter 20, and we're discussing uh, a section where Jesus is actually talking to the Sadducees, and kind of like the Pharisees, they're trying to trip him up a little bit here. Um, But we actually got into a a good conversation about uh, resurrection and, and what that looks like and, and what what we can expect to the, to the best of our knowledge based on, on what the word gives us. Um, I think that there are a lot of questions that everybody has and there are some things that we just don't have concrete answers for and some things we can discern from God's word. Uh, so I really enjoyed our talk today and hope you guys enjoy it too. I wish I would have started the podcast with that's not necessarily good. But we, here we are. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be yeah, our podcast if we didn't have an odd beginning. True. Hello. Greetings. <laughs> How are you? I'm okay. I'm happy that we have rain. I Not happy that you sat in it in I'm your car? I'm not happy I left my window open in my car, but, you know, it, it is a... You win some, you lose some. <laughs> as my son continually says, sometimes you eat the bear, sometimes the bear eats you. That's a good analogy. I suppose. I wouldn't eat the bear. I hear so. it a lot. Never had bear. Me neither. No, thank you. Anyway, we're going to talk about... <laughs> I generally avoid eating carnivorous animals. It's like, you know, we're on the same team. We probably shouldn't be eating. I'm trying to think if I've ever eaten a carnivorous animal. I don't <laughs> think so. Anyway, uh, we're in Luke still. <laughs> I probably shouldn't talk so quietly when we're trying to record stuff. So, uh, you know. If you're talking it, about carnivorous animals, it's okay. All right. Let's get into it. We um, We talked about uh, this last weekend... Um, Resurrection marriage, I think, was the title of the of the oh how the NIV puts their little subheading mm. um, in this section, and but what we kind of discussed briefly last time um, in our something to think about uh, last week was that it's not really necessarily about marriage. It's just that that that's how the uh, Sadducees were kind of coming at it to try to get Jesus yet again. Yeah, uh, they, something it's not they didn't like they even had some legitimate right. question right. about marriage. They're trying to propose a ridiculous scenario. Was something they didn't even necessarily over. believe in. Specifically did not, <laughs> right. Yeah, they didn't, did not believe in, in it. So they get this opportunity to be able to try to make Jesus look foolish. Because the Pharisees ain't doing it. Right, yeah. They've been, <laughs> and, and so you could kind of almost picture, we see this so often in, in our things today, where, you know, <laughs> the... You've got the Pharisees who are more conservative religious type people. You've got the Sadducees who are more liberal theologians, so they don't take the Word of God seriously. They only recognize the first five books of the Bible as, mm-hmm. as Scripture. Um, and they take that literally, and they eliminate any references basically to, or they explain away any references to supernatural things, miraculous things. Uh, angels, same as we do today. We want to. We have so many TV specials and and YouTube videos Seeing and whatever else about how. <clears throat> um, well, here's the explanation of how the Red Sea uh, could have parted and so on. And this right. great gust of wind came came through and so on. Just <laughs> working to try to explain away um, anything supernatural. We refuse to allow for direct intervention of God to create the universe. So we come up with all kinds of different theories based on whatever evidence that some of which is partial and incomplete, some of which actually seems to be very clearly pointing to uh, a creator, some, some intelligent designer. But we reject that, so we try to explain it away with all sorts of different 
pseudo-intellectual things. And that's the Sadducees. That's where they are. So you've got them seeing the Pharisees, and they're thinking a bunch of, you know, backwards rednecks believing in, in supernatural things. They're going to fail. Step aside, Junior. Let the smart guys take over. <clears throat> so they come in with their... their I told you I was going to make a super cut of all your... All the clearing <laughs> throat. the throat and causing... Anyway, yeah, sorry. So. Go ahead. Well, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, that'll be a long one. Yeah. That's just for fun. <laughs> So anyway, as they're um, coming in here, they're basically saying, you know, we're, we're going to be able to handle this mm-hmm. with our super profound question. There's no way Jesus can answer this. And uh, I think I mentioned in our, in our something to think about last week, the, the question that I got from a teacher right. years ago, you know, that it's pretty, pretty common to hear questions like this if, you know, if God is omnipotent if he can do anything can he make a rock so big he can't move it and the foolishness of the question undermines their their supposed intellectual argument and the sadducees are in that same boat they're trying to do that with jesus so we get down to it and jesus kind of twists the question back to really what they're trying to get to anyway and couches it in what we're seeing well luke couches it this whole passage together with these other parts from the second half of 20 through all of chapter 21 even as we talk about the signs of the age that we're looking at the difference between perception and reality so here's here's how you think it is you judge on the external on the outside we're going to see that in just uh, a little bit you know in the in this week's sermon looking at the widow's offering and the beauty of the temple and all we see is the outside we see those who look like they're you know doing so much because they write a big check mm-hmm. but it's out of their wealth and the widow does out of her poverty we see the beauty of this great uh, temple or in, you know in our day we might see this great church building or cathedral and like wow that's so fantastic and jesus says you know, hey, you know what that's all going to get torn down eh, what's the big deal God sees the inside and we see the outside. So that's kind of what he's doing back here with the resurrection and marriage. And so let's, yeah, 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 I get your question. Let's spin this back to reality. And the reality is in that age, when this resurrection happens, and it will, but when this happens, it's not going to be like it is now. You're not going to be in the same kind of body. You're not going to be looking for marriage. You're not going to need that personal intimacy with another human being because you're going to have all your intimacies fulfilled in God anyway. That's a picture we see in Revelation pretty clearly. We don't even need light because we've got, we've got the, the Father and the Lamb here as our light. We don't need a, a temple because they're present. There's not a place for God to manifest himself because he is manifest everywhere at this time. So mm-hmm. now all, all the rules have changed. Everything that we're used to is gone. And that's what Jesus is get, trying to get across to them. <clears throat> as <coughs> Now I'm super self-conscious about it. a good one it. for this. Yeah, so anyhow, as... Uh, as Jesus puts this back onto them in that question, he goes past the rabbinical teachings. He goes past uh, the, their logic or the Pharisees um, back to the Torah, which is very wise, very clever. That's you know pretty pretty much what Jesus does, right? right. He gives good answers. So he goes back to the Torah, since the Sadducees only recognized the Torah anyway. If he had answered from human logic, he would have supported them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just a de facto support that, oh yeah, human logic is what matters. If he had... He needs to beat them at their own game. 
essentially. Well, yeah, I, I guess you can say it that way, yeah. I mean, and otherwise so, they're not going to they're going to find some flaw in what he says. Right. So if he does something that the Pharisees would recognize in quoting the 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 prophets or or the, you know, the wisdom books, um, the Pharisees would say, "Oh, yeah." See, right. But the Sadducees would be like, "Well, he's just answering for right. these right. things that we don't recognize." But when Jesus then goes back to the Torah, goes back to what Moses said, and he said, even Moses at the account of the burning bush acknowledged that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And he, there must be a resurrection coming because he's talking about being the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't say, I was the mm-hmm, God of them. Mm-hmm. I am the God of, of these three. So that's when Jesus gets to what was our memory verse for church in, in Luke twenty thirty eight. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. And that's an emphasis that we see throughout Paul's letters, throughout the rest of the New Testament, that real life is different than what we perceive as life in this temporal realm. We continually focus on the things our senses and our human understanding can can work through. So <clears throat> those things that I perceive as real aren't necessarily real. And, and it might be a kind of a, a silly illustration, but very often in our physical bodies, we think we're hungry when we're actually thirsty. Mm-hmm. Well, our, our body needs water, and we feel this craving, and we feed it food, but what we really need is water. So if we actually drank some water, we would feel satisfied. We wouldn't need the food because that's not what we were actually looking for in the first place. But our perception gets flipped. So we think that a certain thing is real, even though that isn't the core issue. And that's kind of where, where Jesus is taking this, is, look, you're talking about something that just isn't even valid. Mm-hmm. The, the whole premise of your question is flawed. In fact, in Matthew and Mark, when they, um, when they record the same story, Jesus says the problem that you run into, your, your struggle here, is that you don't know the Scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And that's what the Sadducees have done, is they've removed the majority of the scriptures. They've written the power of God out of things. God can't be powerful enough to do these supernatural things because we don't understand it. Therefore, if we don't understand it, it must not be so because we are the be-all and end-all. And we've made human intellect then God. We get to decide. That sounds so much like what we go through today when anything we can't explain in human terms cannot be so. It must not be. We have to be able to understand it. Until we come up with some crazy, harebrained, uh, bizarre theory of the multiverse through quantum mechanics, and then we're going to go with the most ridiculous things that, that are out there, because since we can think of it, it must be true, therefore we'll eventually prove it which is essentially the same ontological argument for God that that was made centuries ago. Because we can conceive of God, that must be God to be in us. So if there weren't a God, then we wouldn't be perceiving and and pursuing God in this way. One way or another, Jesus is saying, what you think isn't really the issue. That's not the determining factor of what is real and what is not real. Right. You know, when, when you see a, a Little League mom in the stands screaming that the umpire is completely wrong, that that's not a, that's not a strike, that's a ball, what do you, why would you call that? That's terrible. That has nothing to do with what reality is. Right. Whether the umpire is right or wrong is not based on whether or not that mom agrees or, or understands it. But in a legal sense, 
what the umpire says is fact, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. When the umpire says it's a strike, doesn't matter where you think it is, it's and a strike. And you can try to argue it away until you're blue in the face. But one of you has authority and one right, doesn't. Right. And, and so the same thing applies in, in real life, in all of life. God is God. I am not. If God and I disagree, there's only one winner in that argument. Right. And it is never me. Right. Not ever going to be that. Right. And so that's kind of where they're at here. And, and as he um, works this through for them, the idea that, that this real life idea and getting on board with the reality that God's created is really what, you know, we've talked about this lots of times. That's really what faith is, is aligning my thoughts with truth so my experience can align with reality. Mm -hmm. And the, the more I align myself with the reality of what God has already made, the better off I'm going to be. If I try some self-help construct, some human understanding idea, even religious constructs, if I try to, to create some sort of Christianity that works, and we see that a lot with health and wealth, prosperity teaching, and, and a variety of different things. We see that with uh, the liberal theologians who dismiss the Bible but have lots of religious rules, which is actually exactly what the Sadducees were. Mm -hmm. They were super hardcore about the priestly... Uh, rules, much more so even than the Pharisees, who were big on it. The Pharisees wanted purity with God so much that they added more rules to keep you far away from the borders, right? You don't want to get near the fence, so we're going to move it in. We're going to mm -hmm, keep moving mm -hmm. the fence in. <clears throat> the Sadducees didn't have the fence. They didn't believe in any of that stuff, but they had so much religion. They want to make sure that this religious legalism was there, even though in every aspect they were libertine. And we see that same kind of thing today. It happens all the time. So they can't really embrace the life that God has has called us to. They can't embrace what Jesus is bringing, this gospel of grace, because they're not willing to see things from God's perspective. They're only going to see it from their they've perspective. Got this, and that's very limited because they've got this little section, and that's all they're going on. Well, and that's, yeah. It, and anytime I put things in, it, within, it has to be within the scope of my understanding. Right. I just put a very, very restrictive place there because my lim my understanding is inherently limited and it's corrupted. Right. So because of my humanity, my sinfulness, I can't see things rightly. It, it's blurred the lens. Because I only have a small lens to begin with mm -hmm. because I've got a little brain and God has an infinite brain, so to speak, I can't begin to get on his level. That's never going to happen. Right. So the more I try to make God fit into my box, the more disappointed I'm going to be. And he never will. That I don't I can't make a box big enough for that. So I have to accept him on his terms. That's why embracing real life in Christ requires seeing life from God's perspective because his perspective is reality. Mm -hmm. The more I I recognize that I have a certain framework, be that my background, the way I was raised, uh, my culture, my ethnicity, my gender, uh, my systematic theology, all these different pieces of my framework that, that influence or direct how I see life, how I interpret knowledge. I have to recognize and acknowledge all of those things. And if I don't, then they become the master of my interpretation of things. And our framework, our, our systematic theology, the, our system of believing about God, can be a wonderful servant to biblical theology. 
we can't ever let it become the master of our biblical theology. That, that's a really important distinction for us to have in our minds. We need to understand what the Bible says mm -hmm. in its wholeness, in its fullness, in its completeness, and let that drive our system of thinking about God, our systematic theology. And when we do that, having a logical, rational, cohesive system in keeping with the Scripture is a good servant. It's a good tool. It's a good thing for us to do. When we get caught in a particular way of thinking, a particular system of belief, and then we impose that on the Scripture, now, we are, now we're actually harming our cause of understanding truth and being on board with reality. So we have to be very careful about those things. Speaking of understanding the Bible, and just I, I mean, I could we could probably keep talking about this, but um, I, we were talking about a little bit before we started recording um, just the idea of resurrection. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's when it comes to understanding the Bible, I feel like that particular subject is extremely important because it's so easy to right, yeah. have all these questions and think all these thoughts that maybe don't necessarily line up with reality. Um, and I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. And, and along with that, we talked about judgment. Right. And that's a Another, pretty big deal, right? Right. <laughs> so, life and death. Right. So uh, <clears throat> to, I had some of my own questions um, about that, and I would like to think I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, I'll guarantee you're not. <laughs> uh, so, so Jesus does uh, talk about resurrection here uh, to the Sadducees, who, again, don't believe in it. Mm. But... Um, in going through this section, and, and you, I'm not going to remember them off the top of my head, but you, you went through uh, several additional um, passages and other books on Sunday. Um, the idea of resurrection, I think most of us think of it uh, as Jesus, Jesus resurrected, and, then, and that's okay to accept. Like we, as Christians, I accept that Jesus resurrected. I believe that. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. It was a supernatural thing. Jesus rose from the dead, da da da, da. When it comes to me, a non-supernatural being, right. I feel like somehow that's harder to fully grasp. It makes sense. Like I can totally, totally with my whole heart believe that Jesus rose from the dead. When I think about me somehow doing that in any capacity, yeah. that's harder to, to get. It's interesting because um, I just literally just heard somebody talking about this, probably Alistair Begg. I've been hearing him a lot lately. Uh, just this morning, actually. Let's just copy it. Um, it, it may have been Al Mohler. I, I can't remember which... My podcasts are blending together in my head. But anyway, uh, talking about 1 Corinthians 15, which I uh, mentioned also read portion of that on Sunday. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is all about resurrection. The mm -hmm. Corinthians are dealing with some false teaching that's creeping in. They've had a lot of issues creeping in, but they're, they're dealing with the question of resurrection. And, and the question wasn't about whether Jesus rose from the dead. Right. It's about whether we rise from right. the dead. Right. And Paul goes into that whole thing in light of Christ's resurrection. So if there's no resurrection, if Christ isn't raised, then our gospel is worthless. Right. Everything we do is pointless. We are to be pitied above all people. But that's just part of his overall argument of there is a resurrection of the dead. There is going to be a time when all people will be resurrected, will be raised up. And that is our hope. That's where we find our hope because we belong to Christ. So when we are resurrected and we're fully alive, physically and spiritually alive, which right now every one of us is born physically alive but mm -hmm. spiritually dead, mm -hmm. Then we're reborn in Christ and we become physically alive and spiritually, spiritually alive. alive. Then we die in our body. We're separated physically from Physically dead. 
Exactly. At the resurrection, we're rejoined and we once again become in our completeness in a new form, however that looks. We know that it's different, and Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15, that it's different because, uses the illustration, a seed doesn't look like the plant. You know, right. what you, you plant the seed in this form, when it grows, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. It's connected. There's a relationship, obviously, because one comes from the other, but it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it talks about the different kinds of flesh and so on. And we will, we will be sown as a perishable seed, but we will grow and be raised up from the dead in an imperishable form. So then our bodies, which are now decaying and dying, will be, my take on this, is they'll be like they were in Eden before the fall that they'll be perfected, they'll be complete and whole, no disease, no decay, no and death. There's, there's so many questions that go along with that because you wonder, how, what age will I look? Right, what, yeah. will I Will I have a, the same deformity I had when I was, I mean, I mean, you know, not necessarily, but will I have a mole right here? Or will right. I have, you know... I, and some of those things. questions I think are fairly easy for us to, to answer, and others have no clue. So, like if you died when you're 90 years old, are you going to look 20 years old? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That I don't think we have a legitimate answer for. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but it's just interesting <laughs> we, we to think about. We know that it'll be perfect. Right. You know, one right. way or another. So the, I think what we can see well, then people recognize is me. <laughs> in some, this is, this is my take on it. This is not in the Bible. The Bible does not anywhere tell us how old we will appear right, or right. what form. <clears throat> but just thinking it through. Because sin will not be present, the effects of sin will no longer be present. At that time, we'll have the new heavens and new earth. We'll be in a whole different situation. Therefore, if that mole comes from an anomaly in my, in my system that creates those things, then I would not have that. Just like if I have cancer when I die, I wouldn't have cancer in my body. Mm -hmm. There wouldn't be any viruses and right, illnesses right, right. or anything like that. So if what I look like at 90 is the effects of the breaking down uh, of the system, I see. then I wouldn't have that. But we're not all going to be babies. <laughs> no, but I would think, and again, this is where it's my speculation. I'm just kind of spinning sure, this sure. forward in my mind. I would think, because we are mature and complete, lacking in nothing spiritually, that we would be in our fully mature, our, our most fully complete form physically. I don't know that. I'm just saying right. that's, that's no, that you know, kind of how it's been that forward with it. Um, so that if you, if you die as a baby, you're resurrected in a form that is fully I'm complete, sure. fully mature. It, yeah. But again, this, we'll, we'll find out those things right, when we get sure. there. Right, sure. I mean, it's just interesting to think about. And then you think about people you know, in the Old Testament who lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds right. of years. And wow. So what did they look like exactly. at 120? Right, exactly. Did they look like they look we do at 40? Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, the concept of time when it comes to that is, is just... Right, and the effect, and all of that is, everything that we see in our decaying system is part of the curse. It's, it's the effects of the fall. And so when we talk about climate change, when we talk about injustice in the world... All of these things are part of living in a world that is increasingly impacted by sin. Mm -hmm. Not that there's more sin, but the presence of sin brings about uh, greater symptoms. Mm -hmm. Just like, again, mentioning cancer, I think cancer is such a fantastic illustration of sin. That it needs to be fantastic for something. When the cancer is in you, it's in you. Yeah. Whether you see it or not, it's growing, it's having an effect, and it's literally killing you. Now, you might not know it's killing you for years mm -hmm. before it comes out in whatever form it manifests mm -hmm. itself. What we generally respond to is the symptoms of it, mm -hmm. which is exactly what the government has to do. It responds not to, 
don't get me started talking about hate speech and hate crimes and all these other things. That's working on the internal, mm -hmm. but the government is designed to work on the external. Mm -hmm. So when we see the symptoms of sin, murder and, and so on come out, all of these different symptoms are part of the same disease. They just manifest themselves differently. Systemically, in the world at large, what we see is the, the increasing decay in all aspects of the physical realm. So the, the, when we see things looking worse than they did whenever, yes, because we've had the disease of sin that much longer. So does... And eventually it's going to kill us. Yeah. Do the, do the symptoms physically in the world of the disease of cancer and the curse that, that accompany that, do they look different in 2019 than they did in 2000 BC? Mm -hmm. I would assume yes, because there's a whole different level of, of growth that has happened. And mm -hmm. all of the progress is also simultaneously regress in a lot of ways we're advancing through time but it's not cyclical it's not circular right. it's linear and we're going toward an end point that is already predetermined by the father which i'm kind of getting into stuff that we'll talk about next week we're talking about signs of the age and we won't talk about all of it because we can't but but we'll begin to see i say next week it'll be two weeks uh, yeah Anyway, it doesn't Stay really matter. Tuned. It's coming up. So anyway, as we're as we're working through this stuff, um, so much of this is so directly impacted by sin. Yeah. That when sin is removed, just that, and that, maybe that's the concept we most need to grasp. Just that idea of heaven, of, of the new heavens and new earth. When sin is removed, everything that we know is different. And that's. You say it's the, it's the concept we need to grasp, but it's also the hardest concept. It's the concept we can't grasp. Right, right. And it's what we have to get. If we can just get the fact that we can't get it, that by itself is huge. True. And, and it, that doesn't mean we don't keep studying to try to understand better. But I can't process mentally right. I, what go, the I'm Garden never, of Eden was like. Right, and I'm never going to be able to answer these questions about you know what I'm going to look like in heaven. Right. You know? yeah. what, what is an angel? Right. Well, you know, how, right. Does, how does that work? Right. Well, how in the world did, did we get to the place that we are in, in some of those things that are beyond us? Right. We can see in human history mm -hmm. how that happens. We can't see in heavenly history, so to speak. Right. We can't see what happens behind the curtain on God's side of the curtain uh, unless he reveals it to us, like in right. the book of Job. Right. They never get to see right. what's happening between God and the devil. Right. We do because God reveals it to us in the scripture. Job doesn't. His friends don't. Right. So that's kind of what, what we're dealing with is there's a reality that's beyond our grasp. Mm -hmm. And this whole section is about that. So when Jesus is talking about it, uh, one of the questions that came up uh, that we were talking about beforehand was about judgment. Mm -hmm. So the idea that we're in a, a, a holding pattern, basically. We're in a, waiting in some sort of limbo until that final resurrection, some kind until of that time. Purgatory type situation. Right. That does not appear to be biblical. I just I, I was listening to John MacArthur talk about this with the Old Testament. It kind of caused me to rethink a couple of things. But when we see the the scripture passages, the the picture always is from death to destiny, from death to being with the Lord. Mm -hmm. The Old Testament um, Hebrews would refer to that as being in Abraham's bosom. Jesus used that reference in his parable of Lazarus and the rich man. And so that idea of being with the Lord, even then, was immediate. 
Well, even my mom always refers to the, the thief on the cross next to Jesus, and Jesus says, this day you will be right, with me in Right, for paradise. sure. That's a, that's a picture of right now. Right. This is right. the reality. Not, you know, a thousand years from now, I'm going to come back, and right. then you'll come up. <laughs> right, yeah. So it, there's an immediacy right, to it. Right. But not just that. We see that also with, uh, you know, when we go back to the Old Testament, we see the the, uh, the picture of David um, when he's talking about death. There's an immediacy to it. There's a, there's a going directly to the to the Father. Um, it's not as clear. Everything in the Old Testament is a little more veiled. It's right. a progressive revelation as we see things continue to develop. But that idea of um, of resurrection is, as we talked about earlier, it's the rejoining of our spirit, which is already with the Lord, and our body, which is not. Mm-hmm. It's part of this world. Mm-hmm. So then God brings us back to it. And, and your mother put it well, I thought, when she said that... Um, that we spiritually are alive with Christ in heaven when we die physically, but then later we'll be reunited with our bodies. And when we face judgment, it's a little bit different in in the timeline essentially because we don't and this is what you and I were talking right, about right but i think you i think what helped me understand that as we were talking earlier is perhaps judgment isn't the best word to use because i think we think of that in our humanness in a certain way and right and we will face it in that way right. but not there's, all there's at a once. but yeah there's a big but so why don't you explain oh, what, gosh. what connected in that first part and i'll see if i got it right i, I think <laughs> when you when you said discernment Okay. There's already going to be a discernment. If I were to die today, I would go home and be with Jesus today. Yeah, right. And then when the resurrection occurs, uh, that's when the judgment occurs. But it's not like it's not like I'm going to be in heaven for you know X years before the before the judgment day, and then I go in front of in front of the throne, and and God goes, oh, we made a mistake. Yeah, you're, you're out of here. <laughs> Missed it by that much. <laughs> but you know, it's not like you're going to be in, and then oh, we made a mistake here. You're going to get thrown out. Right. It's a, it's a discernment, and then a judgment is from what I'm from what I'm understanding. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable way of wording it. There, it it's. Um... <laughs> To be, and I'm not waiting around in heaven, being like, "Oh gosh, I hope I don't, you know, get judged exactly. negatively." You yeah, know. we're there, right? But the completeness, the the, the fulfillment of it, I, and I don't know if this is a good way of putting it. It's how I see, I'm seeing it in my mind, which could change later reading the scripture a little more. It it, it strikes me as being very similar to where we are now. Mm-hmm. We are not yet what we will be. Sure. I think in heaven, prior to that resurrection, we are still. Not yet what we will be. And that's even hard to grasp because it's heaven. And you think right. it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, so it's perfect. It, so none of the stuff that we're dealing with right. here right. applies right. there. And yet it's still not the fullness. So we don't have... But you don't feel... We don't have everything that we will have. But you don't when feel re- dissatisfied or, or incomplete at all, I wouldn't think. No, it, it vastly superior to everything that we're dealing with here. Right. And yet, not, not yet what he's going to be doing okay. at the end. So... How does that play out? I only know what's in the book, right? And so I can only follow that. Yeah, what I don't does the judgment go, look know. like? Well, there's a there's going to be the judgment between the sheep and the goats, right? Those who belong and those who don't. There's going to be a judgment of rewards. So there are a lot of judgments that we see, um, and we have to make judgments now. I judge right. between whether I want to get the waffles or the omelet. You know, that, that's a judgment. Waffles. <laughs> It, well, my judgment would be both, oh. but that's <laughs> well. That's why I look the way I do. But as we're so, what's your body going to look like now? 
So anyway, <laughs> as we're as we're working through all of these different judgments, it's it's like the word baptism or the word spirit or the or even the word love. Mm-hmm. There are so many different um, contexts in which it's used, all of which changes the meaning of it. Are we talking about mm-hmm. a baptism by you know, when Jesus referred to a baptism by fire, John talked about Jesus bringing baptism by fire and, and baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not the same as uh, baptism in water as a symbol right. of, of right. being a part of the body of Clearly. Christ. Yeah. So those those different types of things are, you know, we, we refer to, you know, on-the-job training sometimes as like a baptism by fire. Oh, mm-hmm. you're getting thrown mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. All of which is valid. But we can't confuse them because that getting on the job training and being baptized by fire or getting thrown in the pool to learn how to swim, that does not make me a Christian. That's not part of it. So I have to look at judgment the same way. There there are different levels of judgment, different thrones that that we will look at. Um, Revelation 20 talks about the the dead being judged. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, um, Paul talks about judgment. But he's also he's this whole book and this whole chapter are are specifically written to encourage believers as we look forward to that coming day. So four, starting with thirteen, he says, "Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope." Uh, this is something that I cling to with funeral services for Christians. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. Right. We know that there right. is a right. resurrection. Right. We know right. that there is a future that's not like, it's not just, oh, yeah, they're still with us in spirit. You know, right. they're looking down on us right. from above. You know, the great kings of the past are in the, in the stars. I wish I had the deep voice, you know, like James Earl Jones. Uh, the 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 ancestor worship that we see in in Shintoism and, and mm-hmm, other things mm-hmm. it's not that that's Even, not what we're know, talking about Day of the Dead the, right Mexican absolutely culture, you know? so we and, and so we see the this hybrid of pagan religion right, right. And, and and a uh, Roman Catholic type Christianity kind of blended together mm-hmm. to have so much that is um, spiritual and religious. But not specifically Christian. It's not. And from I think the scriptures. that's a very human thing in, in, in our nature. It's it's almost a comfort thing for us. It is. It's a hundred percent that. It, it it's a human mechanism right. to create a spirituality to comfort us. Right. It's the knock that that folks that that see Christianity only through a psychological or self help right. perspective right. that they would say, oh well, yes, you have to have this. This right. is your your crutch. Right. Well, yes and no. <laughs> I am weak and I need something to hold me up. But if I were going to create God, he wouldn't look anything like the God of the right, Bible. Right. I would create a God that's much more pleasing to me right. rather than one who requires me to be pleasing to right. him. Anyhow, um, verse 14, it says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive at the time of his coming, we are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage, one, encourage each other with these words. And as we're seeing these uh, these judgments coming, I, I'm 
looking for another passage that I'm not remembering right now. Uh, as we see these judgments coming, what we recognize, and I believe, uh, I think Daniel 12 talks about it, is that the, the good and the bad all resurrected right. to be judged. Mm -hmm. And those who Daniel would refer to as good, those who are uh, followers of the Lord, now in the completion of that in the New Testament, we recognize as followers of the way, those who are in Christ, those folks are in the judgment are are granted eternal life they're granted the uh, the pleasures of god so mm -hmm. to speak and those who are the wicked those who are doing their own thing rather than god's thing those are the ones who are condemned even though we're already with god we're we're kind of I mentioned at the Secretary of State's office or the, the DMV earlier, you take a ticket and you sit and wait. Well, what's going to happen is going to happen, but, mm -hmm. but you're waiting to get your turn to get up there. Um, bad analogy perhaps, but it maybe helps us to right. be able to, right. to flesh it out a little bit. Our destiny is set because the reason that we're with Christ is we are in Christ. The reason that we are, mm -hmm. when we're absent from the body, that we're with the Lord is the fact that, that we're already in Him. Mm -hmm. When we face the judgment, when we go forward, what God sees is Christ. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, Christ is the one who will be doing the judging. But when we get to that place, that all that's going to be seen is the righteousness of Christ. Second Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what gets seen when we get judged. Not all of our deeds that you know, would keep us from God, they've been covered by His blood. Those who are not are judged based on all the works that, that merit their salvation. Right. And there aren't any. Right. Whatever good thing I tried to do, it's apart from Christ. I don't, I'm not going to be good enough for God. I can't, by definition. Because even if I do good things, if I do it apart from God, then it's sin. In Christ, all of my bad things are covered by Him. So all that's left for those who are in Christ is reward and welcome. All that's left for those who are not in Christ is a weeping and gnashing of teeth, wishing that I'd taken advantage of all those opportunities earlier. There's so much more we could talk about. And we're so far over <laughs> I time. know. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut us off here. But um, if you guys have any questions, again, I, I don't think I can be the only one here with questions. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to... Um, uh, send a voicemail to the podcast. Send us an email, something real at Stacey real. Stacy really online. wants the voicemail. We gotta I do. We gotta have the voicemail because I don't like hearing my own voice only. Um, so yeah, you could do that. You can send us an email, uh, leave a message on Facebook, and uh, we'll we'll talk about it. That's what podcasts do. Indeed. Thank you guys for tuning in.